Hey guys, thanks for checking in to Earnest Money. This is our first episode, and I'm really happy to have on Jason Waxberg with Equity Pacific Real Estate. Jason and I met, um, I contacted him about a 65 unit apartment building in Spokane. And um, I think I was a little late to the game, but it was a real interesting deal. And then we started talking about his local market. He's based out of Portland. And um, really, really great conversation. I think this will bring a lot of value to anyone listening. Jason is really a master of his craft, knows the local market really well, as I'm sure you'll see in this conversation. And I hope you enjoy. Let us know what you think. Thanks. So uh, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time. And I know that you are uh, obviously with Equity Pacific uh, Real Estate. You're very active in the Portland market, the Pacific Northwest. And I know that the way that you and I you know, met was through a building in Spokane, which um, Correct. you were taken out that way by a client who, and it looks like that, that deal actually ended up being pretty great for your client. I think I maybe got involved a little too late on that one. Um, did you end up selling yeah, that they one, did. by the way? We did. They did uh, I think they did quite well, actually. Uh, as I, Just a brief recap on that. I sold it to them a couple of years ago, back in 2015, as they were looking to complete a 1031 exchange. And it was a property that we had monitored for a while on the open market. Uh, when we made our move, uh, it was a perfect confluence of seller motivation that exchange, the sellers were looking uh, to just get the asset off their books altogether. And so we were able to get a, a good price. And then they went in and, uh, you know, they are classic value add rehab uh, type investors looking for B and C class properties to go in and add value. Uh, they did a great job with that. They turned around two thirds of the units over the course of the last couple of years. Uh, and they're selling for a uh, very solid profit. Uh, we're about to close that uh, tomorrow. Well, it, congratulations. Very exciting transaction. So just one question on the strategy. Are they, uh, I don't imagine they're local to the Spokane market. They, they're based in Portland, I'm assuming? Yeah, they're in the Portland metro area. Uh, they have owned properties in other states uh, outside of Pacific Northwest. Uh, but as they're getting older, and uh, and I relate to this as I'm getting older as well, you tend to want to stay a little bit closer to home if you can yeah. and look for ways to derive uh, similar values as you might see uh, further, uh, you know, often in, into some other market. Uh, the proverbial grass is greener is not always the case. Uh, but with that said, they wanted to find something where they could fly to it uh, without having a connector. So it made sense. It was a, a fairly easy trip from the Portland airport to Spokane. It's only about an hour flight. Uh, so you could get out there uh, and return on the same day and be home for dinner uh, if that's... Uh, oh, I know all started. about that. We just bought a building in Sandpoint, Idaho. So for that, I got a... You have a connection through Spokane and then, or, you know, through a lot Salt, Salt Lake or Seattle. And then you have to drive an hour and a half. So I know, I know about that headache. But... I know you were mentioning finding returns at home, and I guess that leads me into my next question, that Portland, obviously, is, I think, one of the hottest markets in the nation. Um, I know yep. as far as um, home selling, it's considered one of the best uh, 
right behind Seattle and San Francisco and San Jose. So, you know, Seattle's obviously in the Pacific Northwest. You have two in Northern California. I know as far as real estate, when we were discussing commercial real estate, cap rates have really compressed to three, three and a half, four percent. A lot of times what you see here in Los Angeles. And I know that um, Starwood, I believe, just bought the Wells Fargo Center in downtown Portland. So it shows a lot of institutional money still pouring in. Um, are you able to find solid returns still in Portland? Or are there still pockets where you're able to see for those value add buyers? Or are you just seeing it more for you know institutional money that just wants to park some cash in a good market? What are you seeing out there? It's a great question, and it's always trying to look at the crystal ball as accurately as possible, even in the present moment. Um, there's no question that when Mill Creek first came to town in 2012 with their Savior Street Flats, uh, which ushered in the era of institutional class multifamily investment in Portland, uh, we have seen an evolution in the city, the likes of which nobody saw coming. Uh, it has transformed the city. And even those that may have seen it coming, I, I would uh, suggest that they would not have seen that it would be this comprehensive, right. stretching now into East Side and North Portland, and clearly having impacted our suburbs, uh, such as Beaverton and Hillsborough on the West Side, which are famous for our primary uh, economic drivers in Intel and Nike. And then on the East Side, uh, we did, for instance, a one-bedroom apartment rent survey. Uh, not too long ago along a corridor that, for the most part, is never really thought of as a, as a high-demand uh, sub-market. And yet, even out there, we found one-bedroom rents roughly starting at $1,000 a month, which wow. is just unimaginable to people that have lived in Portland for most of their lives. Right. Uh, to, to just further answer that question, it's very clear the institutional money is still comfortable here. Uh, many institutions have been here for some time. They've been at the forefront of this uh, growth wave, and they recognize that they were going to stay in it long term. So even though that we've had a little bit of a swoon lately with respect to uh, supply getting to the point where it is leading to concessions and we're seeing uh, the pendulum swing away from developers and investors and a little bit more towards renters because they have more choice and they have some more leverage with those concessions. Mm -hmm. There's still new projects that are being proposed that are going to be built. And I think those cap rates are likely going to stay low. It's been a, a significant compression. And if I, let me just clarify, I don't think they're quite as low as the three, three and a half consistently. I'm looking at some co-star data right now and the majority of them are fours and fives. Okay. Uh, but I have sold a handful of properties that are, frankly, those classic smaller or mid-sized, historically mom-and-pop-owned properties in Portland. And, you know, those uh, are representative of rents that trailed the market. And as those market rents began a few years ago, the disconnect became quite significant. And many of the investors were able to still acquire those properties recognizing the upside, even with significant and really nice quality modern capital improvements. So many of our clients have taken that same value-add approach to trying to acquire close in Portland properties. But right now it's a fascinating and exciting balance between investors still recognizing the value of Portland as it continues to mature. And if you compare it to Seattle, 
it's amazing what we're seeing in Seattle, and I think Portland's going to continue to benefit from that in some ways. Right. Um, but, but I also think investors now understand on both institutional and professional level, even the mom-and-pop level, they recognize you've got to sort of curtail your expectations a bit and expect those rates of returns to narrow, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. And I imagine that what's happening in Portland is really being all the major food groups up. I mean, multifamily, retail. Um, I don't imagine, whereas retail is being hit in other parts of the country pretty hard, I don't imagine it's really being hit that hard in a market like Portland, um, I'm sure. Industrial, there's demand for that. Office, there's obviously demand for that. So I imagine you see really strong growth in all food groups in the commercial real estate. Well, I think you're right. And one of the most exciting developments uh, for, uh, for those that don't know Portland, it's an exciting place and has a terrific sense of both history and uh, modernism as we're seeing the city sort of rebuild right in front of our eyes. Uh, but there's an area in close in southeast called the Central East Side Industrial District. And at the height of the last cycle, which was let's call it the condominium conversion cycle, if you will. Right. Uh, there's incredible pent-up demand for that location because it was so obvious. It had these incredible views of downtown Portland from east facing west, and the zoning simply did not allow for residential use. Mm. An office in the last cycle was still relatively flat by nearly all accounts. And yet what we've seen in this latest transformation of the market in this latest cycle is demand for office and industrial zone properties has surged uh, dramatically. And so nowadays, uh, some of the best rents on a per square foot basis for creative office and industrial related businesses are now down in the Central East Side Industrial District, which are largely older warehouse properties, uh, lots of exposed brick. Um, you know, it represents an echo of what we saw transform the Pearl District, which wow. was dominated by old warehouses, old breweries. And back in the late 90s and the first part of the 2000s, the developers came in and worked with the city to transform many of those buildings into what is today known as the Pearl District, a very exciting neighborhood in downtown Portland. So the Central East Side Industrial District now reflects that next evolution, crossing those asset classes, going from demand for residential condominiums, multifamily, and now people here in Portland, you know, we are on our bicycles. We are taking public transportation. Wow. This is what the city wants us to do. And so to many uh, very successful mid-level and upper-level executives who are working in these creative class-type companies, they've been able to, to seek out and find really cool space uh, in these close-in neighborhoods that are those different zoned properties and yet are willing to pay a premium because they have access to the urban core. Uh, so that has been uh, a fascinating development as well and shows how sort of all boats rise and fall on the same tide, if you'll allow so me that's to a that. very Shit. that's a very interesting point. And something that's going on here in, in Los Angeles is the city's passing what's called transit-oriented communities, where they will, you know, uh, go a little easier, if you will, on... Um, some entitlement issues, drop parking requirements. If you're in one of these areas where people, as you said, are riding more bikes and are in front of metros, are you seeing um, the bureaucracy maybe lighten up a little bit in Portland to allow for this type of development, or are you seeing that still trying to catch up? That's a good question. I think in some ways uh, the city of Portland has been out ahead of the curve now for a while. We've had 
an effort here, uh, and certainly to some citizens' dismay, uh, you know, some people are always going to be against uh, concepts like light rail uh, because it's difficult to see the ridership early on in their inception. Right. Uh, but Portland has consistently for some time been trying to emulate uh, what I would characterize as somewhat of a European-style model. To me, I traveled to Prague, Czech Republic, back in 1995, mm -hmm. and I'm seeing in Portland today uh, sort of echoes of what I recall seeing there. We've got, you know, we've got the, the light rail known as the MAX system, the MAX light rail system connecting both the east side and the west side. Uh, we also have a streetcar in downtown Portland. Uh, there is a well-known bus system here. And as it relates to development, Navid, I would call attention to uh, one of the early projects in a close-in neighborhood which occurred over in the Richmond neighborhood on the roughly the uh, corner of Southeast 37th and Division Street. And Division Street, a decade ago, was largely uh, an, an, an uninterested section of town uh, that when large-scale institutional money came to Portland, they saw it as an opportunity to transform an entire corridor, and they went ahead and did that. Uh, but what you're seeing is, you know, a relationship between good quality growth planning from years ago meeting uh, the opportunity to receive the institutional development money and seeing those things work well together with the one exception uh, that I was referencing a moment ago of 37th Division. A developer came in and wanted to put up, uh, I think it was a 37 unit or a 50 unit, forgive me for not knowing the exact number, apartment building. And the issue there, Navid, was that he did not have to include parking. Mm. And more than any other element of that uh, relationship that you're asking about between development, public transportation, incentives to create new development, Portland's codes have enabled many developers to put up pretty decent-sized buildings and not have to supply parking. And that is, again, a reflection of the city's philosophy to want to try to move as far away from vehicle transportation That's as great. they can. And yet, at the same time, there's been a lot of pushback from people such as single-family homeowners in the neighborhood who, recognizing that many of these tenants are still going to want to drive cars, need somewhere to park. And so the, our neighborhoods have gotten a little bit more congested because there isn't ample off-street parking available for some of these problems. Well, everything I was reading about the Portland market seems to point that there's this tug-of-war between investors and uh, people in the community. And I know, for example, one thing I read is there's this big uprising against short-term rentals and Airbnb, and people are really seeing the value. I think a lot of communities around the world are having that issue where technology meets, you know, people living there, and there's a clash. So I know from everything you're saying, it sounds like Portland's, you know, working its way through that, and investor demand is still obviously super strong, and it sounds like there still is um, upside. This isn't you know, I wouldn't say a bubble necessarily in Portland. It seems like this might be the new norm going forward. Maybe in the future they might come down a little bit or whatever, but I think this might be the new norm from what it sounds like. Um, as a, as a, you know, I, would real I would agree with you. Yeah. I would agree with you for several reasons. And first, I think that expression tug of war is very accurate. I believe that in Portland, though, you have so many folks who are investing in their own neighborhoods. Uh, that that tug of war 
is not simply investors versus residents, because many of the residents here, I believe, are looking to, if they haven't already been investors in the community. So the tug of war has, everybody's got a little skin in the game. Um, The tents had some vocal representation in the last election cycle when rents were beginning to get out of hand. But now that much of the new development product has been delivered, as I referenced earlier, I believe that pendulum is swinging backwards, or, or back to, rather, uh, in favor of tenants. There's no question that the hot topic here in Portland, as I think is in any major city, affordable housing. Rent today. control and that uh, kind of stuff. But I, well, and we had some element of quasi-rent control, if you will, that was passed by the city council back, back in February of 2017 of this year. Right. In which they are now impeding a property owner's ability to raise rents more than 10% annually without having to give the tenant an option for what they have termed relocation assistance. Mm. And they are expensive numbers. It's anywhere from $2,900 on a studio, $3,300 for a one-bedroom, $4,200 for a two-bedroom unit, and up to $4,500 in providing tenant relocation assistance for those who may occupy a three-bedroom unit. So when you're talking about thousands of dollars per unit, it becomes untenable for most of our sort of historic investors. If you are looking for those really underperforming properties, you know, great-looking properties, well-built properties, say from the 20s or uh, the World War II era and the 40s, those classic, you know, brick garden right. court-style apartments. And yet, you know, we've sold properties. <clears throat> excuse me, we've sold properties where, when at closing, the the rents just a few years ago. We're in the 600s, and the market rent was 14 or 1500. Wow! And prior to the recent change that occurred, I still contend that while you have to be sensitive to the impact on those tenants for being relocated on what were 90-day no-cause to vacate legal guidelines, we have lost the ability to do that, and as a result, it's much more difficult for sellers to get what matches up with the sales comps and for buyers to justify paying it when now they are significantly hamstrung with, you know, over the course of, say, a 20-unit building, all, all one bedrooms, you have to turn around and pay $66,000 in tenant relocation penalties. Um, we're finding ways to navigate that to some degree, but it did kind of throw a wrench in our system at the right. beginning of the year. And I, th- I think it led to some uh, less-than-expected velocity in the core that I think we'll see made up a little bit next year. Yeah, I'm sure but once if you... If I may just... Yeah, please. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just wanted to say, you know, it, it seems like Portland has really been in a state of transition now for a while. And one of the things that we've seen are, you know, on the macro level are more high wage jobs that have come to Portland. It used to be where are the jobs in Portland. And over the last five years, because of the growth, we've attracted a number of uh, companies ranging from companies like Under Armour, mm-hmm. uh, who recently relocated here with their headquarters. Uh, uh, expansion of our existing companies. Nike is, is undergoing an incredible expansion right now, uh, as well as a lot of high-tech firms coming in on a smaller level, uh, anywhere from 20 to 100 employees. Uh, but it's really going after that better educated class of, of residents that are moving here. And there's some proposal that it is a transformational change that leads us to what you, I think, accurately described as the new normal. Right. And I think, I mean, 
to kind of tie it together with what you were saying before about um, the tenant relocation fees, any market where has long-term growth, has what you're saying, which is, you know, employment prospects are going up and people want to live there. Investors, I'm sure, especially the patient money, especially the institutional money, will find a way to make those relocation fees stick. You know, they'll figure we have to put this money to work. It's a good market. It's a strong market. Our money's going to be safe there. So it's worth paying these fees up front and to have a strong asset in a class A market is really what it comes down, is what we've seen in other markets around the world too. And that's where I think there is still opportunity in Portland in general. I think it's difficult for the local investors who have been accustomed to seeing some fairly healthy rates of return, again, in part by taking advantage of acquiring underperforming properties and uh, adding value. You know, as I look forward, I, I think you look at how much the region, and certainly we can aggregate that into the Pacific Northwest. But even here in Portland, even if the growth rates are slowing today as, say, the, the business cycle begins to mature, uh, you know, we've got an incredibly high quality of life. Right. Um, there's a uh, recent uh, set of slides that I'm thinking of right now that was put out by Joshua Lehner at uh, the Oregon Economic Analysis. And he was referring to in one of his slides that you know, the long-run advantage of net migration among young, skilled households is really the key. And I think that's absolutely correct. And I think as a result of that new Portland demographic reflecting that uh, and looking like it's not slowing down at all, uh, you know, it's going to continue to attract investment for a long time. Fantastic. Well, uh, Jason, I really, really do appreciate you taking the time. I know you're really busy. And... Um, you know, I think you brought some amazing insight and especially to what's happening in the Pacific Northwest, but even more so what's really happening in, in Portland in these different areas and the future of it. So um, I do appreciate you taking the time. You know, hopefully we could do a deal together in the future. And uh, thank I you so much. That. Yeah, Thank you so much for, uh, you know, setting aside the morning to chat with me. And I do appreciate it. Well, Navi, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to speak with you this morning. And, uh, you know, I've lived in Portland now for 22, 23, 24 years. I moved here in 94, do the math, 23 years. Mm. And uh, this is a wonderful place. Uh, we're not going anywhere. Uh, it's a joy to live here. And uh, yet we certainly appreciate when you guys come up here and invest in us because you bring a little bit of that nice uh, California sun with you. So thank you very much for the opportunity. And I definitely uh, will talk with you soon about some deals that I'm working on for you. You've got it. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, guys, for tuning in and listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to get a hold of Jason, his email is jason at equitypacificrealestate.com. His direct phone number is 503-750-7734. If you're looking for deals in Portland or really in the Pacific Northwest, hope you give him a call. And uh, please check in for future episodes where we dive into local real estate markets and try to bring value wherever we can. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks a lot.